Hello and welcome to the Niche Podcast for April 16th, 2012. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere. This week, we'll be fixing bugs in Avalio, talking about painless API documentation with Happy Docs, and frictionless blogging with Margot. Good morning. How's it going? Ah, uh, not bad. Yeah. Same here. I'm dragging a little bit for sure. I always stay up way too late on Sunday night. Yeah, I was up pretty late last night too. <laughs> yeah. I even <laughs> I even stayed up after I said I was going to bed like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, we we could have we could have kept talking then because I was, I think it was up to like four thirty. Uh, yeah, me too. Yep, I'm sore too. I spent the the last uh, two days putting in uh, raised garden beds in the backyard. Mm. And uh, we bought, Eric was like, oh, it, it's going to take like 12 bags of mulch. Or not mulch, but garden soil. Like, all right, so we go to the Lowe's and get like, you know, 12 bags. I'm like, are you sure yeah. that's going to be enough? We should probably get like, let's just get like 15. So like three trips to Lowe's later, we had, a, we should have had a full pallet of 40 bags delivered to us. I was going to say 40 bags later. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was like... It's like three huge. <laughs> so yeah, at some point today, my back is just going to snap in half. <laughs> yeah, my 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 big highlight for the weekend. Well, actually, I just just made my just made my annual appointment to get my eyeball polished. So nice. <laughs> what is what is why does that need to be done? Like, um, how does it get well, scratched? For for our for both of our listeners, I should say. Um, <laughs> I have a my left eye is pro, is a prosthesis. Yeah. And actually it doesn't get scratched. It's just that over time you get kind of kind of proteins and gunk and what have you just builds up on it. And it just needs <laughs> it just needs a, a professional cleaning once a year. I see. It's like ultrasound type of thing. Uh, and actually it's the same thing they use to polish hard contact lenses. Oh. Wow. Well, my mother used to have those. That's going way back. Yeah. It's the same equipment. Just just give it a good buffing. Nice. Well, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> so like you said, for both of our listeners, I've got a little bit of housekeeping and then we can jump in. Um, first is that the plan is to, to record the show on Mondays and get it out either that day or by Tuesday morning. And we're going to be pushing it out on WordPress because it's just easy and stable. I say easy in air quotes because I haven't been able to get the DNS stuff working. Hopefully that'll be uh, today or tomorrow when we can actually start. Uh, putting these up in a more timely fashion. We've already, this is the second one. We have one previously, so they're both going to pop in at the same time when I finally get the thing figured out. Uh, other thing is that last week in the last podcast, we talked about Avalio and right, apparently right around the time that we recorded that podcast, <clears throat> I introduced a bug into the code. So if anybody did use it um, uh, last week and noticed that the stars were working intermittently on the favorites, that was because I changed the order of the HTML, oddly enough. Um, something as innocuous as that. Uh, what happened was the, the you know, in the list results, there are stars on each item, each search result that you can star and add to your favorites. And on certain ones, you could tap it or click it on the desktop, and it would toggle the star. Uh, but other ones wouldn't. It was really weird. Uh, but it turned out that there's a couple different uh, uh, HTML templates we use mustache on that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we use a couple different mustache templates 
in there, one for errors and one for, um, you know, non-errors. Like, uh, and then in the non-errors, we also split the templates between uh, uh, available and not available. And I changed the source order of the uh, HTML so that the stars were first in the order between the other things in each list item so that if you tabbed through using the tab key or with the d-pad or a trackball on a device that had one of those types of user input then the um, you know then the star would uh, highlight in order but what happened was that that put it higher up in the DOM so that things that came after it were overlapping it and so you would tap on it and it was actually hitting an object that was not the star overlapping the star so stupid little change that shouldn't have caused any kind of problem, and, and it did. So cautionary tale. Watch out for your source order. Your source order and your Z-index. Yes, yeah, so that's how I fixed it. I used the Z-index to just pull it in front. Probably if I was really, I, I was like, oh, I think it might be the Z-index, or the source order. So I, pulled the Z, I used the Z-index to pull it in front. I probably should have done something a little more sophisticated and had the following the items that follow below in the list item just you know not overlap it but yeah we could have we could have changed the way they float there or what have you but yeah exactly so whatever i'm sure we'll continue darking around with it and breaking it on and off so <laughs> so stay tuned um all right so i think this week the big thing we've been working on or la you know last week was happy docs so i think it'd be fun to i don't even know a whole bunch of things that I'd like to ask. So I figured we'd do it on here and uh, let everybody know at once. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I've kind of, kind of just been working on that one in the background without you. So <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So um, just as a quick intro, uh, happy docs is painless API documentation for pretty much for rest APIs. I suppose you could use it for something else, but we're doing a lot of, um, uh, the sort of the niche team is doing a lot of API work because it's such a big part of of really computer programming these days, uh, application programming. Um, so it was getting to the point where we needed a place to keep track of the documentation. In fact, one project we're working on, we're only doing the documentation for the API, and then once the whole design is complete, then we'll actually build it. So we needed, was that, that was around the same time, right? When we started to feel like we needed a formal place or what, what was your. Yeah. Yeah. It was about that time where we getting into, you know, we just had several of them and uh, it was becoming a little disorganized to try and keep track of everything. You just didn't read new files or what have you. So, and they all, they all shared a similar format. So it just seemed like we should make a place for them. Yep. So we were standardizing on Sinatra for the APIs, which has been really nice. Uh, and we kind of needed a place to standardize on the documentation and there I did you I don't know I didn't look around I didn't know if there was if there's a place that already kind of does this but as far as I know happy docs is the first web app that focuses on this did you see anything else uh, no I kind of I kind of did take a quick look around and I couldn't really find anything that was specific to documenting APIs hmm yeah I haven't I've never heard of it so it's it's yeah. basically set up it's a web app and it's set up so that uh, you know, you can create like a project, give it a name, add static pages of just sort of uh, free form narrative information, but then you can add resources to it. And it's set up to, it really is set up for a REST style API where you pick a, a method, you know, post, get, put, delete, whatever. And then uh, 
describe the path to the resource, uh, whatever that might be, and then um, whether or not it requires authentication or if it's rate limited and uh, description. And probably my favorite part, which is the um, sample responses, which I love. Yeah, and you can you can add you know a list of variables in there too. Right, parameters exactly. Parameters, right. Mm -hmm. So it's funny that there's some. I mean, we could certainly have done this in just a regular text document and put it on a server somewhere. But there's something about having a formal application that makes me feel like like it's easier somehow. Do you get that feeling? Yeah, it speeds up the process a lot because we've also added functionality in there to allow you to, you know, clone existing resources. So if you're doing something that's very similar, you know, you can, you can just clone one and then go in and, and edit the chain. We edit what's different and it really speeds things up. Cool. Yeah, so if you want to check it out, the links will be in the show notes. Um, we are, but it'll be happydocs.net. And is it, is it live yet? I, I thought it was. Uh, it's not quite ready yet. We still have to work on some of the static content, and I need to get it moved over to a new server. So it's it's not quite ready yet. And there's there's also an open source version of it too. Oh right. Mm -hmm. It's a the open source version is a little different. It's a single user. It has a separate admin interface and user interface are separate. In the in the multi user version, which, you know, which will be hosted, you can you, know, you sign up, you create an account, mm -hmm. and it's the there's no there's no separation between admin and use and admin and user it's kind of kind of like github in that sense right yeah you're either logged in or not you can kind of read public stuff or you can edit your own stuff if you want to logged in so is the um we'll put the link to the open source version it's it's like kelly it's your account on uh github right slash happy right, dogs right and I, I hope to get it moved over to the new server today. So we'll just need to finish up the static content. I'll be good to go. Cool. What did you build it with? Uh, the open source version actually ended up building it first and then rebuilding it. Kind of maybe not the best idea. <laughs> but the open source version was done in PHP um, based on CodeIgniter. Mm -hmm. And then the hosted version I, I rewrote in Ruby. And it's actually using, actually using Sinatra to power the web app. Nice. Do you think you're going to move that into the, the open source one, or is that more, is the open source one more uh, portable because it's PHP? I kind of wanted the, the open source to be in PHP for the portability. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, unless we come across bugs, I think the open source version is pretty much done at this point. Cool. Unless we get a lot of feature requests or people want to extend it or we run into bugs because it's, you know, the basic functionality is there. Mm -hmm. And I don't really see, as far as what I what I intended out of the project to begin with, I think the open source version is is there right now. So I don't see a lot of change to that. Can you talk a little bit about the serving? We were the hosting. We were thinking about uh, sort of dorked around with it on Heroku, and then uh, the something was wrong with like we weren't having luck with the PDF generation or. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was having some problems with the PDF generation, and it really is not supposed to be that difficult. I'm pretty sure I've had it working on Heroku before. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to have to include, we're using WKHTML to PDF for PDF generation, and you have to include that in your repo on Heroku, mm -hmm. or or as an or install it as a gem. And I couldn't get either one of those to work entirely. 
you know, I, it may just be right now we're on a, we're just using a little Heroku's little free plan for development and testing, what have you. And it may just be that we're running into hitting a resource limit there. Uh -huh. yeah. I haven't really, I haven't really looked into it too much in that, in you know, regards to resource limits, but yeah, you know, I know we were getting, we were getting uh, five or three errors, gateway timeout errors. Huh. Well, so we moved it over to, or I set up a server on uh, Amazon's EC2, so that's the server you're moving to today, or that's the yeah, plan. yeah, I'm gonna finish setting it up. Yeah, cool. And it'll be kind of good because it's it's giving us an opportunity to set up an oh a good a good web stack that we can create an, an Amazon EC2 image from. Mm -hmm. We don't really have one of those at the moment that we can just you know, drop in and and have everything set up. We've been going in and configuring servers individually each time. Yeah, I'm I'm actually getting pretty good. <laughs> it's like yeah. you, you go in, create cuz the the thing about this is a little bit of a tangent here, but the the thing about Amazon uh AWS I I really like EC2. It took me um uh my friend Danny Cohen had to kind of help me walk me through the original setup process cuz there's so many options like pick an image and you just don't know, you know, the micro instances and like geez, you just have no idea what to pick. Um, but once he walked me through it once, um, it was it was pretty sweet. I had been hosting with um, uh, with GoDaddy, and I was really anxious to get off of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know exactly. Uh, so so he set me up over there, and probably got I don't know, not quite ten uh, instances running at the moment. And I know it's just going to become more and more. It's so easy, and they're so it's so relatively inexpensive for each one. So the the pro, the thing I don't like about it though is that by default, at least the image we're using, which is an Ubuntu image, the the by default you can only log in with using a public key type of login. Right. And I actually find public key login it's really convenient if you're only working on if you're working from one development machine, but I have a ton of development machines. And even sometimes I'll log in on a, on like an iPad from an iPad to just fix something quick, <laughs> hence the bugs with the Valio probably. Um, but when you're in that situation, it's it's almost counter counterproductive or counter to the nature of the security that public key authentication is supposed to provide because you have to move these public keys all over the private key all over the place. I think it was you who joked, ah, oh, just, just put it in Dropbox. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the first thing I do when I create a new image um, is I go, I have like a couple of links that I, I can never remember how to do it. I can almost remember from memory how to do it, but uh, I have a couple of articles I'll, I'll post in the show notes where uh, you go through and you can activate, you can allow um, password-based authentication for SSH. And, you know, I just set up an account for both of us, create a couple of users, um, add them to the sudoers file, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I just find that way more convenient. So perhaps other people are in the same situation, which is why I bothered to mention it. Yeah, no, I, I really I really like having the, the convenience of the public key and not having to type in the password every time. But I'm, I'm unlike you, I'm only developing from the desktop and the laptop. So I don't really have a lot of devices to worry about. But yeah, it's certainly nice to have if, you know, if you're out somewhere and need to log in from a phone or what have you. Mm. Are you, I don't, are you still able to log in using the private key? I don't think I shut that off. No, it's not, it's not shut off. So you can still go in and, and just add it to the authorized keys for your user, for my user account. Cool. So best of both worlds. Yeah. 
All right, great. So, um, what else can we say? Oh, so I have a couple of questions about back, getting back to happy. Um, how, you know, since niche is, uh, is a big mobile first mentality, um, what can you talk about in regards to happy and mobile? Uh, I wrote it with mobile in mind, but I haven't, I haven't done extensive testing on mobile yet. So primarily I'm just, I'm just using, using a fluid layout and some media queries to just kind of rearrange things at smaller resolutions. Yep. Yeah. I did notice that that worked. There's a, there's a, um, sort of interesting issue with happy specifically, which is that the, uh, the sample responses tend to be like nested JSON. So it's, it can be challenging to get them to even make sense in a small screen type format. Right. Um, so I think that's probably something we'll have to work, try and figure out if we could do overflow, overflow scrolling or, or something to make it, uh, something a little bit more sophisticated than just like making the font insanely small or, or, or just having it cut <laughs> yeah. off or, cause when you see a JSON response and it's wrapping, it's brutal. Yeah, it is. It's, it's very hard to, hard to sort it out that way. I need to, need to add, like you said, I need to add some overflow, overflow scrolling. Yeah. Hopefully that'll work. And the, the new, uh, the new iOS, uh, five, I think it was, they, they have single finger overflow scrolling. Not sure how that'll work on most other devices, so I'll have to test it. But um, it is one of those apps that I, f I think is a little bit... Uh, I find myself reaching for it more on a laptop than I do on mobile, which is the reverse of most of the stuff we work on, where I usually usually use it on mobile and hardly ever use it on the desktop. Right. I don't imagine anyone will really be authoring anything on a mobile environment because they're just, they're just so much to type. Yeah, it's, it would be nice to be able to pull it up and read something, but exactly. I, I don't see it as a, it's, it's definitely not going to be the main way people use this application. Yeah, the keyboards just don't lend themselves to the kind of typing you need to do. Another thing, I guess we didn't really mention, like, the, why, why um, we need WKPDF uh, is, uh, is because you can download the documentation as a, like, a full PDF on the on the desktop site or on the site itself, you sort of click through each result. It's not like a long scrolling list of documentation. It's more like a, an indexed list of documentation that you can drill into. But there are cases where um, we, for example, want to upload documentation into as an attachment into Basecamp, so that the client can review the. Um, the design of the API, or we can send it to a developer that doesn't have access uh, or whatever. So uh, I thought it was super cool that you set up the PDF, you can just download as PDF, it generates this long PDF that just has all the documentation. It's so great. Uh, right. There's, there's also a single page HTML. So if you, if you do want your documentation in one file, you can do that in one HTML file. And it uses, it's linked links within, internal links within the document. Nice. And we also have a Markdown export. Yeah, that's I'm a big fan of Markdown, so I like that. So that would be pretty. That would be a great way to maybe make a README doc in GitHub. Right, right. Yeah, just write up your documentation and export and and paste it into your GitHub project. Yeah, it's super cool. So maybe that is the way. That might be the way that um, that I end up personally end up using uh, Happy Docs on mobile. Is that um, you know, as a PDF, so you could just go to the 
go to the site, download it as a PDF, open it in Goodreader or something like that. And then you could save it to Dropbox right on your phone. And perhaps it would be uh, readable. I'll have to try that and see how the, the actual responses look. If you can zoom in and zoom out or how that, how well that works. Yeah. And see, so I think finally the name, do you remember where the name came from? Um, it started just API docs and, and we were joking around and just added an H. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like appy docs, appy docs. Yeah. Uh. It's fun. It's fun having a project that starts with happy. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I think all internal projects should now start with a, a friendly adjective. Yeah. It, just, it just makes them more fun to work on. I'm yeah. writing happy code. <laughs> it actually does. It, it affects me. I like working on it. Yeah. It's like when we stopped calling, stopped calling the users of our application users. Yeah. It's funny, that's come back to bite me several times. Has it? Yeah, yeah. So for people, where do we, I guess it was on Twitter. I think I tweeted that we were trying to, trying to, like in, in, uh, in our data models primarily, it was always this conversation about, oh, well, you know, we'll have a user table or should it be called accounts or, and I always prefer people. I, I try to, I try to, I'm like a database guy going way back and, and whenever I found myself being, uh, uh, more specific than I absolutely had to be with an entity name, I ended up regretting it because you you ultimately shoehorn things into a table that didn't conform with the name of it. So uh, something like uh, if you name it per, a, a table salesperson or something like that, almost invariably you're going to end up with people uh, or records in there that are not salespeople records. And you're like, oh man, you know, <laughs> end up like with associate records. And really, really it would have been... So just as a just as a, uh, a, a self-preservation mechanism, I would try and always name tables in the most, uh, the most primitive version of the noun that I could come up with. And the one that had, was the least, had the least business logic in it or the least amount of business rules. And so I always used person for, um, for that sort of a database table, but yeah, now, uh, me and, and Mike Mamoff from Google were going back and forth on Twitter about it. And he's like, well, person is kind of vague. And sometimes you have to say user. And I was like, you know, it was all like holier than thou. And, the, and now. <laughs> does, does, is, that seems kind of backwards to me. That user's more specific? Yeah. Yeah. I, he's, but sometimes you are in a, in a conversation with someone and you are trying to talk about, you're trying to distinguish between the people like, running the system and the people who are going to be using the system. And even though those people who are running the system might use it as well, you're trying to talk about a specific, uh, context. It's because I catch myself all the time now. I'm like, I feel the word coming in this sentence and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to say user. <laughs> so it's, it's stupid, but uh, it works. It does work in the data model because you're not really talking to anyone about it. Um, but in, in the, in conversation, it's, I find for me personally, it's a lot harder to, uh, to stay away from the word user. Yeah, that's 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 true. But I do find that in the data model and when you're developing the application, it's kind of it's kind of a subtle reminder that you're actually building this for real people and it's not some generic abstracted user object out there. It's real people and you know, real people have have different needs. You know, they need to be able to use their phone with one hand and scroll and they need to be able to enlarge the text and and what have you. And you know, whereas this generic, abstracted, kind of out there user, 
it has a different feel to it for me. Yeah, I agree. I I, I love it in the in the data model. In the it, it does the exact same thing for me. It, it humanizes it uh, instead of it just being a consumer or you know user. It's it's like uh, it's like my mom. You know, it's a lot yeah. more a lot more personal. Cool. Let's see. What else can we talk about? What do we have coming up for this week? DNS, I suppose, or is that, I forget, did I already set that up? I think I did. I think you set it up. I think it'll be changed because, you know, right now it's, it's, it's a dev URL for Amazon. Oh, right, 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 right. That's right. So, yeah, so it looks like I'm going to be doing some, my, some DNS stuff. So between, between that and uh, getting the niche thing squared away. Uh, that'll be, you know, for the for the actual podcast, and then I'm gonna have, uh, you know, long story. Yeah. Yeah, uh, get the page moved over and blah blah blah. I think we'll be happy on WordPress at, at the end of the day because it's so. I mean, it's just super stable. It's dead simple. Uh, once you get it configured, we can just totally set it and forget it and just upload content. Right. Right. Well, while we're on the on the subject of blogging platforms, though, did you want to plug Margo? Oh, great idea. Yeah, so was it last week we started working on Margo? I think so. We just kind of kind of knocked it out in a couple of days. Yeah, so maybe a week or two. It might have been a little more than a week. But anyway, um, uh, I was getting frustrated. So, like, I I have I personally have a word a self hosted WordPress blog on JonathanStark.com, and it's always been fine. Um, I I I I like it okay, um, but I found that I mean I've had the blog for you know, six years and I've got fewer than 200 posts to show for it. And the reason is twofold. I think one is that I've taken to Twitter so intensely that uh, a lot of the things that might have turned into a blog post in the past go on Twitter. Uh, but the other thing is that there's just enough friction with my normal workflow and the way that I like to do things that I just don't go I just don't go in there and blog because it, there's just too it's a little bit too slow to refresh it's a little bit too slow to open in the first place you know I have to log in before I can even start it's like all these teeny weeny little friction points that ultimately uh, keep me from writing I mean they just get in the way of it so I was finally you know I'm looking back at my posts and I'm not a big multimedia blogger I just want to occasionally I just want to write flesh out like a, a longer tweet you know and and have it on um, my own uh, platform so something a server that I'm in control of control of and something that's on my normal backup schedule and all that stuff I want it to be part of my site so I was like well all I really you know I really I think in markdown I write a lot and I I in all of my all, virtually all my writing starts as a markdown document and I'll kind of outline in there and then I'll flesh it out, flesh it out, flesh it out, and then maybe throw in some images and links. I love the way the links work. You can reference them at the bottom so they're not cluttering up the uh, the body of the document. It's just a great genius format that's easy to read by human and by machine, so I love it. So that, well, you know, why can't I just blog in Markdown? I just want a directory on my web server called blog that I throw a bunch of markdown files in and there's you know some magic that happens that converts them into HTML and injects them into my uh, the template for my site which is just basically a it's a simple there's nothing fancy about my site it's just a sort of roll your own PHP site there's no CMS or anything 
So, <clears throat> you know, I, I sort of, you know, four o'clock in the morning and I was like, geez, what it was, oh, that's right. It was a Sunday night. I'm like after yeah. Easter. And I was like, why am I up at four in the morning writing a micro blogging framework? <laughs> like some kind of idiot. <laughs> Who hasn't you know? done that though? Yeah, yeah seriously. Um, so I, you know, I tweeted about it and like 10 people, like it turned into this big thread. And I was like, wow, I, you know, and somebody was like, oh, can we see the code? And, you know, naturally I had, I had hacked something together that I wasn't going to show anybody. It was just a, a an a HT, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, HT access doc and like a, a PHP page that parsed the, uh, used markdown.php to parse the, the source files into HTML. And then I just included my header and footer from the site. And that wasn't enough to really get anybody anywhere. So I spent, you know, like another hour and got it up on GitHub with a little bit of an explanation and revised code. And then uh, you immediately jumped on it and actually fixed a, some super hectic thing in the HT access that was cool. What was the deal there? Uh, I was running into a conflict with, I think Apache's mod multiviews was conflicting with the rewrite module and it took me forever to track it down and it's it's funny because it's a it's a bug that's been around forever and in all my years of doing things with htx and what have you i've never never run into it so apparently multifuse isn't actually used that much but it must have been enabled by default on my on my local server oh wow so i've, I've written a blog post on it so oh cool we well, should link to that in the show notes so the so at the um Really, at the end of the day, uh, it's Margo's really just, you know, a an HD access doc and a folder with some, you know, some guts of the system. There's really not that. There's a couple of template files and a couple of includes, uh, the the Markdown file. And what was the other one you included? The RSS. Right. Yeah. So it does do RSS generator. Yeah, RSS generator. So it does do. It does create an RSS feed. Uh, so then, what you do is just throw. Markdown documents into the uh, whatever folder you specify, and those are your blog posts. And it uh, it it it's super simple. And the cool thing for me, uh, and this is specific to me, probably a lot of people would hate this, and this would be underpowered because no comments, there's no uh, there's no tags or categories or any of that stuff. Uh, but I don't use that stuff in WordPress anyway, so at least for my blog. So it was cool for me, um, especially because I use so many different. Uh, machines. I'm always carrying a different um, uh, laptop, or I've got an iPad, or an iPhone, or whatever, and I don't want that to affect my workflow if I do have an idea and I just want to quickly do like a few hundred word blog post. So I'll just I can just sync everything over Dropbox. So I just open up the folder and you know doink, edit, create a file, edit it, save it as Markdown, and it's live. You know, there's no uh, it's just super, super frictionless. So you might want to check that out. Um, I think that we'll put that in the show notes, but that's like, uh, I think that one's under me, Jonathan Stark slash Margo. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And the name of that one is kind of funny. It was like five o'clock in the morning at that point. And I was like, oh, I have to pick a name to put it on GitHub. I don't know what to call it. So my dog was sitting right underneath me. So I named it after her. <laughs> See, I thought it was marked down something. Yeah. Related. Well, that's what I that... never realized that it was. Yeah. yeah, now that you mention it, I remember, but remember <laughs> that your dog's name is Margo. But. 
Right. And and I did think that people would think like, oh, at Mar, you know, Mar, that must be something to do with Markdown and then Go must mean because it's like fast. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly like, what I thought. I'm like, oh, that's perfect. So Margo's now immortalized on GitHub. <laughs> anyway, and that's another example of like me liking the project just because of the name now. <laughs> okay, so that's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. Thanks for listening and see you next time.